I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion. Lately, I've been reviewing from two summer festivals, the Mostly Mozart Festival in New York and the Salzburg Festival in, you know where, Mozart's hometown. One of the events at the New York Festival was the Magic Flute, Mozart's opera. One of them. A darn good one. Like all of them. Andrew Porter was an eminent music critic and scholar. Once I asked him a silly question, but one that he did not regard as silly at all, fortunately. I asked him, Do you have a favorite opera? Almost before the words were out of my mouth, he said, The Magic Flute. Emboldened by this experience, I asked him another question. Would you say you had a favorite singer all time? Almost before the words were out of my mouth, he said, Maria Callas. Anyway, back to the magic flute. In the magazine, the new cry, as some of us call it, I wrote this. Before the overture, I was a little anxious, because the fashion today is to race through the overture. By conductor after conductor, the overture is taken so fast, there's no enjoyment in it, and no Mozart. Yeah. You want to hear it done right, at least by my lights? Let's dip into the middle and hear about the second half. That was James Levine and the Chicago Symphony Orchestra 
and Mozart, the overture to the magic flute, breathable, merry, burbling, just right. Again, I'm Jay Nordlinger, doing music for a while. Our producer is Scott Immergut. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you may do so at iTunes, Google Play, and so on. If you'd like to write to me, the address is nordlinger at newcriterion.com. If you'd like to advertise on our program or sponsor it, let me know. If you'd like to receive the podcast by email, links to new episodes, again, let me know. At the Mostly Mozart Festival, a pianist played some Mendelssohn, the Variations Serieuses, Serious Variations, in D minor, Opus 54. I wrote, Musical fashion is funny. Once, these variations were a staple, played by everybody. Then they virtually disappeared from the stage. Yeah, strange. But listen, they're wonderful. Let's listen to the theme, and then the first few variations. I give you Murray Pariah, the young Murray, in 1974.
keep going with these bad boys? I'd love to, but let's skip to the end, the final couple of minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, we've listened to Mendelssohn's Variations Sérieuses in chopped-up fashion, sorry about that, played by Murray Pariah in 1974. He was in his 20s. I once knew a Sephardic couple in Washington, D.C., a couple from Istanbul. They pronounced the pianist's name Perahya. Let's do a little Beethoven. That never killed anybody. On the contrary. At the Mostly Mozart Festival, there was a wonderful performance of the Violin Concerto. Yet, well, let me read a bit from my review. I have a complaint, a complaint I've made about performances of this concerto before. I believe that the final note should be in tempo, and that a retard violates the character of the music. Our performers went in for a retard, leaving me with a sour note. Hmm... All right, want to hear it done uh, my way, so to speak? I shouldn't say that. Check this out. That was Heifetz, Munch, and the BSO. The violinist Jascha Heifetz, 
the conductor Charles Munch, and the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Listen, we've got to hear more of that movement, the rondo from Beethoven's Violin Concerto. Let's dip into the middle of it and go right to the end, that fabulously correct end. Here we go.
ladies and gentlemen, we've heard the final movement, the rondo, of the Beethoven Violin Concerto, his sole violin concerto, played by Heifetz, Munch, and the BSO. Let's jump to the Salzburg Festival. Every year, the festival highlights a composer or two. This year, it has been Inescu, George Inescu, the Romanian who lived from 1881 to 1955. Let me read from something I wrote, an article for National Review. Inescu was a composer, yes, and also one of the greatest violinists in history. Last year in this town, meaning Salzburg, I interviewed Vilda Fromm, the young Norwegian violinist. I asked her about her favorites, her heroes of the violin. The first name out of her mouth was Anescu. Furthermore, Anescu was a pianist and a conductor. He was a talent of talents. Little of his music is heard today, however. The Romanian Rhapsody No. 1 is a staple, an enduring hit. But the rest of his catalog lies under a bushel, and that includes the other Romanian Rhapsody, Number two. This summer, the Salzburg Festival is seeking to remedy that to an extent. The festival program is dotted with Inescu, a violin sonata, a piano quintet, Oedipus, his sole opera, etc. One night, members of the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra played his octet. The concert took place in the Grosse Salle, great room or great hall, of the Mozarteum which years ago I nicknamed the Grosse Sauna. It is so very hot in there, as in all Salzburg venues, at least in the summer. That America is over-air-conditioned, I will accept, as long as others accept that other places are under-air-conditioned. The most famous and best octet in music history is Mendelssohn's, written when the composer was 16. Anescu was 19 when he wrote his. It appeared in 1900. Both of these octets, I should say, are string octets, works written for a double-string quartet. What does the Inescu piece sound like? Well, it has a flavor of Eastern Europe and of the gypsy. It also has a touch of modernism, which was then being born. Inescu apportions the music-making judiciously and generously. There are plenty of solo opportunities for viola and cello, which is big of a violinist composer. Contemplating the Inescu octet, I thought of the word strange. It is a high compliment from Harold Bloom, the literary critic. He uses strange to mean distinctive, of its own kind, unlike other things. That is high praise indeed. All right, enough reading. Let's hear a little of the Inescu octet. This is a hard work to dip into, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not exactly sure what to do, how to excerpt it. The four movements of the piece are very different, yet they all go together, of course. Moreover, there are different sections within the movements, and they are different too. I think I'll just play the last four minutes or so of the octet in waltz rhythm. Here we go.
We've heard the ending pages of the String Octet by George Inescu, played by a team led by Janine Jansen, the wonderful Dutch violinist. At the Salzburg Festival, I attended and wrote about a Mozart matinee, an all-Mozart concert one Saturday morning in the Mozarteum. 
One of the pieces on the program was the Piano Concerto No. 27 in B-flat, Kirkle 595. Let me read again, please. In my experience, pianists and conductors often try to invest this concerto with more than it has. They labor to make it deep and divine, autumnal, too. In reality, this piece is one of the merriest that Mozart ever wrote, which is saying something. This is especially true of the final movement. Why do performers labor as they do? Because number 27 turned out to be Mozart's last concerto. I always say he didn't mean for it to be his last. It just was. It was supposed to be the one between number 26 and number 28. What a great concerto, a masterpiece in any case. Darn right. Well, here's some of that last movement, the rondo. Alfred Brendel, Neville Mariner, and the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields.
crime to cut that off. We've been listening to the final movement, Allegro, the Rondo, of the piano concerto that turned out to be Mozart's last, number 27 in B-flat, Kirkle 595. The performers were Alfred Brendel, piano, and the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields, conducted by the great Sir Neville Mariner. For the New Criterion's website, I started a review this way. Every year in Salzburg, Cecilia Bartoli spearheads a project, i.e. an opera. She, of course, is the iconic Italian mezzo-soprano born in 1966. The opera this year is Alcina by Handel. Which one is that? If you're like me, they tend to run together in your head. Agrippina, Ariodante, Atalanta, and I've only cited a few starting with A. The two best-known arias from Alcina are Verdi Prati, Smooth and Beautiful, and Tornamia Vagejar, a delightful showpiece. Yes, indeed. Hear a little of the latter? I give you the delicious Danielle Denise in the second half of Tornamia Vagejar. Again, that was the soprano Danielle Denise in the second half of the aria Tornamia Vagejar from the opera Alcina by George Frederick Handel. The orchestra was Les Arts Florissants, conducted by William Christie. Okay, the other aria I mentioned, Verdi Prati, or Green Fields. Let's hear that for sure. Sung by the great Welsh bass baritone, Bryn Terfel.
That was the aria Verdi Prati from Handel's Alcina, sung by Bryn Terfel with the Scottish Chamber Orchestra under Sir Charles McCarris. Thank you for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. Before we leave, let's go back to the Mostly Mozart Festival for a minute. One of the pieces played in an orchestra concert was Haydn's Symphony No. 88 in G. I wrote, This is one of the most popular of all Haydn symphonies, 104, and deservedly so. It is like a summation of everything that is great about Haydn, his humor, nobility, creativity, humanity, and so on. I've been doing a lot of last movements today. Sort of sorry about that. But care to hear Haydn's from a symphony number 88? The orchestra is the Philharmonia Hungarica under the late great Antal Dorati, as we used to say in Detroit, where he was the music director. Dorati, I think, in Hungary. Dare you not to smile or grin along with Haydn. See you later. (laughs) 